everyone. Welcome to another highly evolved episode of <laughs> We Only Look Thin. I am Catherine Weigel. I am one of your hosts. And I've lost about 140 pounds. Oh, I said 140, not 145. You know oh, what that boy. Means. And, and with me today is... Donald Weigel. Hello. And I've lost about 100 pounds. And uh, we're here to talk about it. We sure are. This is highly evolved. We've kept uh, most of our weight off. <laughs> Wow, that's a really strong we, opener. We've kept most of it off for about three and a half years. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I'm I'm still pretty much right there. That's awesome. Good for you. Yeah. Um, I mentioned on a recent episode that I'm up about four pounds, five pounds from where I was. Uh, we don't have a scale that I'm going to show you all the all the charts and math, but uh, still have lost a lot. But this summer I had a sum springer instead of a rum springer, uh, <laughs> though there yeah. was some rum in the sum. Uh, <laughs> There really I, was. Yeah, my ties are delicious. It yeah. turns out. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on a yeah. tropical hideaway. Super classy canned pre-made <laughs> my ties. It's so good, though, you guys. <laughs> yeah, I track it. It's 340 calories a can. So yeah. that's a lot of uh, of rum uh, in one can. But yeah, I'm up on the scale a little bit. A lot I'm, of rum in your rum spring. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was saying. That's my Oh, did joke. you already make that joke? Yeah. Sorry. It, I don't listen. It's fine. <laughs> Nobody does. If you're still listening, thank you very much. Uh, but we uh, sometimes we think about all or nothing attitudes, don't we, Donald? We sure do, and and I really think it's one of the biggest barriers to actually achieving weight loss and fitness goals. It's it's this idea that if you can't be your ideal self, that you should do nothing at all, and it. It is one of the things that I find the most infuriating, but also for many years, we could even say most of my life, I fell victim to it too. Like I really believed that if I I had to be either 100% hardcore, someone who went to a gym five or six days a week, worked out, you know, and then ate the perfect diet all the time. It, or else I, you know, if I couldn't commit to that, if I couldn't do that, then I did nothing and I tracked nothing and I just basically, you know, kept going up and up the scale. Yeah. So I think as this episode is coming out, it's probably coming out in early September, I think. I no don't know. one, no one can no figure one that out. Yeah. The I math can't, that goes along with I can't do that math there. right now. Yeah. But uh, let's pretend this is coming out in September. And September is sort of a, a new year point. Uh, kids are going back to school, whether you have kids or not, kids are going back to school. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> whether you believe it or not, kids are still going back to school. But I think it's a good time to sort of reassess the season of our life that we are in. Sometimes we have ideals about this, the perfect way to do something. And you know what? As we get older, we realize that we have the opportunity to kind of step back on those perfect perfection, uh, ideal self versions of ourselves. We, we've, like Donald was just saying, we used to think it had to be the all or nothing. But uh, on this episode, we're going to talk about the evolution yes. and the kind of spectrum. There's so many different and, and pyramids. There's so many different ways to tell the same story. Um, but, uh, but we're going to start out uh, this story in the year. 1928. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! I had no idea we were going back that far. I wrote on my notes 1928. That was even the, before I was born. Before uh, before you were born, but uh, during the reign of Calvin Coolidge. <laughs> <laughs> the reign of... The Coolidge reign of terror. <laughs> I don't know anything. Why does that... I have images of Calvin Coolidge, like, with dragons. <laughs> like... 
<laughs> raising cities to the happened. ground. There are times with our daughter where we have to say, like, you know, dragons weren't actually a thing. Like, yeah. that's not. And she's like, well, it could it could have been. <laughs> no, no, dragons weren't a thing. There, although they did find this pterodon uh, pterosaur recently. They found a, a skeleton of it that it looks remarkably dragon-like. It's really? pretty cool. Yeah, how yeah. do you spell Look pterodon? It up in the news. Start with it, a P. Yeah, it's a P. P. Oh, that's not right. Yeah, that's no, too many it's letters. not right at all. <laughs> but um, anyway, the, let's just stick with the reign of Calvin Coolidge. Um, they were dark times. Uh, I don't know what they were. I don't know anything about 1928. Um, <laughs> well, it was shortly before a, a pretty bad stock market crash. Oh, uh, so, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, 1928, something magical happened in America, Donald. Did it? I think it was America. I don't even know. Um Sliced bread was invented. Oh, well, we're going to take credit for it because we're <laughs> ugly Americans. If we didn't invent sliced bread, we're going to say we did. So imagine, if you will, uh, Sally Housewife. Yeah. Uh, if you will. Just imagine there's a housewife. Inside. Yeah. Everyone's making their own bread, Donald. Yeah. Loaves of bread are going hither and yon. It was before the invention of celiac disease. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm I'm winning people right, right now. Um, right. So uh, the reign of terror of Calvin Coolidge is happening. Sliced right. bread. <laughs> the only d- beacon in the dark night is sliced bread. Right. Maybe Sally Homemaker is is just happy that someone else is slicing their bread for them. Yeah. And uh, but the other housewife, let's call her, I don't know, Beatrice. Let's say Beatrice is like, oh my gosh, Sally is buying pre-sliced bread. What kind of a garbage? housewife is she she can't even slice her own bread yeah what seriously. kind of how lazy do you she? have to be to buy pre-sliced bread sally so everyone listening right now you're imagining calvin coolidge you're imagining sliced bread you're imagining dragons <laughs> raising cities with fire in 1928 because that's what happened <laughs> oh my gosh we're amazing. that's what i'm imagining okay, so- anyway <laughs> People are too busy running from dragons to slice their own bread. (laughs) That's what what we've decided. Right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, luckily, dragons are able to toast the sliced bread with their fire. So, anyway. If you uh, find a gentle young dragon, you can have it toast your bread for you. Yeah, but do you remember in, like, the Flintstones, how they would have, like, the toaster would just be, like, a little dragon or whatever, Uh, like, toasting the bread for them. Yeah, exactly. Those were good times, and pterodactyls were actually uh, record players. Yeah, dinosaur-powered appliances are not, you know, in use much anymore. Yeah, anymore. But in the past, you just look it up. It's on Google. Right. Um, Okay, so... Getting back, <clears throat> getting back yes. to sliced bread. Can you imagine a situation in which a, a clatch of women were drinking coffee and talking smack about Sally who bought the pre-sliced bread? Yeah. It is an invention to make something easier. But I'm confident, going back into the history books, that there were some bitter housewives who were talking smack about Sally for buying the pre-sliced bread. Yeah, probably. And, and as we are today, people, we think... Sliced bread is just a normal, it's de rigueur. Everyone buys pre-sliced bread because that's what you do. But at the time, it saved one person some time, and it probably made some other people very judgy. Yeah. And we might be looking at this and thinking, that is olden times, and people don't do that anymore. It's just part of society. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no, fair listener. (laughs) That is where you are oh so wrong. That is where you are oh so wrong. We, as 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 a nation, as a people, as a planet, 
We are still Judgy McJudgersons about the food choices of others. We fall victim to thinking that one way of eating is better, one way of slicing bread is better. And we're here to tell you that there is a spectrum of choices, that we fall somewhere on the line, somewhere on the evolution of what we think is the right way to eat, the right way to diet, the right way to do a plan. And we are going to knock down all those walls right now. We are going to knock down those walls like dragons knocking down a city. No, no, I'll stop. I'll stop. But, you know, I think part of the point of this is that I spent a lot of my life, and I think a lot of people out there spend a lot of their lives in the pursuit of perfection. Sort of the, the flip side of this is like, a, you might be, you know, turning your nose up at somebody else for, for you know, doing what you perceive as cutting a corner with their food choices. Yeah. But then at the same time, you might be imagining to yourself this perfect self, this perfect ideal meal that you're going to make all the time. And you realize you can't do it or or you don't have one part of it. And so then you just default to takeout food. Yeah. Or you default to, you know eating something that's way, way over your calories and, you know, an unplanned indulgence. And I did that for many, many years. My pursuit of perfection led me to procrastinate yeah. and and do nothing and just put off doing anything at all because I was trying to do the ideal thing. Well, and for sure. And I remember before we became parents uh, magically to an eight-year-old, listen to old episodes to find out how that happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> magically. <laughs> like baby Moses. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> we conjured her with a spell. <laughs> um so before we became parents, I went over to a friend's house and uh, their their kid went into the refrigerator and grabbed an uncrustable. Yeah. The sliced bread of, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of yeah. 1928. Um, <laughs> and I I saw this child grab the uncrustable and I thought to myself, oh, for shame. Yeah. For shame. Yeah. How could you not find the time to mill your own wheat and grow your own strawberry jam? <laughs> I, I think there's mill no your one. own peanut butter. Oh my god! I think there's no one more judgy than young people who don't yet have oh kids and gosh. say to themselves, "And this is I me, by never. the way." Say to themselves, "I would never." And you know, when when our kid first moved in with us, we bought reusable lunch bags uh, and metal water bottles. Yeah, and, and, and whole then grain whatever and then and, you know and then she was losing them every day every on the day. playground hundreds of dollars <laughs> of recyclable materials lost uh yeah and you know, we finally were like look we gotta just do you know paper bags and down. yeah and and uh plastic bags and the whole thing and uh we're sorry mother earth yeah. but and anyway so the the point here is that before we knew better, we thought that this ideal parenthood was going to be the homemade everything. And then we got to the point where we realized that the Incrustables just made sense. Right. And when we are on this weight loss journey, we think that there is some perfection that we have to hit. I know Donald said that like 20 minutes ago when we were beginning this preamble to the Constitution. Yeah, I said it very well. He he did. <laughs> but we think that we have to hit this sort of ideal and 
when we are imagining how we would manage something if we were in that situation, the ideals are so high. And we have this fantasy self version of ourselves yeah. where we think that we would do it better and more effectively and more mindfully. Yeah, we imagine that the the we channel the eye of the tiger <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're just completely 100% hardcore for the rest of our lives, that everything will align perfectly someday and we'll get there. Right. So in this, you know, in this season of our lives, you know, we have been on this weight loss journey venture for over five years, and we had to break down that perfection wall. Um, I have a little, a little thing I'm going to talk about. I'm going to take you on a journey and see if any of this resonates with you. Any, any of what I say next falls into a trap that you have found yourself. I can't wait. So when we're thinking about the food that we eat and the food that we have with our family, we want the whole family to love it. But it also needs to have zero prep time, mm -hmm. all the freshest ingredients. Oh, it yeah. needs to be inexpensive, delicious, high protein, non-GMO, of course, high fiber, fair trade, farm to table, easy to clean up. Yeah. And it needs to have the exact balance of macronutrients. Mm -hmm. And I need all of the calories to 100% support my habits. Yeah. And it needs to be authentic and honor different cultures and cuisine types so that my family expands their cultural awareness. Of course. Thus ensuring the future generations will achieve world peace and we need leftovers but not too many leftovers because then i will uh binge eat absolutely i need i need the perfect plan that will encompass all of those important factors in i mean life. that's just seems really easy to do right there <laughs> i mean i don't know why we're not doing that all the time but you know ha 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 ha, 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 ha. <laughs> uh laughy laughy joke but I think a lot of times when we're thinking about starting a new weight loss plan or, you know, doing some plan that starts with a number like whole 20, whole 30, 21 day fix or whatever, we think that we need a plan that is going to cover every single expectation in all the world. I was listening to a podcast the other day that talked about it being that sort of house hunters effect of like, Okay, we need 17 bathrooms yeah. and we need, you know, a perfect yard and it needs to be close to schools, but it needs to be rural and it needs to be whatever. And our budget is $10. Right. And we do that with our health expectations that it needs to meet all of these perfect ideals for ourselves. And if it doesn't, then we're just going to get takeout. Well, and I think for a long time, I lied to myself over and over again. And I would say that if I can't find something that meets all of these criteria, that, you know, I just shouldn't do anything. And really what was happening was I was looking at for an excuse to not put in any effort at all. You know, I wanted to find to to somebody to tell me that it was okay just to do nothing, I think. And so I would look for all of these excuses. Well, if it can't be, you know, all of these 10 things, then I shouldn't do anything at all. Well, and I think too, in this last, you know, year and a half decade of COVID, right. there has been, you know, there are people who have started making their own sourdough bread and mm -hmm. doing, you know, banana muffins and all these so much sourdough home, home churned things. There's actually a person at work who has been trying to foist extra sourdough bread onto people. It's so good. I had a slice. I, luckily, I brought some home. Yeah, I ate some. So 
what are you going to do? But I, I did actually get rid of half the loaf. So yeah, I say that that was, that was progress. So when we have these fantasy self ideals, we often forego our health goals. And we are going to talk about, hopefully in this episode and the next episode, sort of all of the things that we can consider when we're looking at a meal plan or, you know, the certain season of our life and what is actually realistic and how that changes based on circumstances. And if we wait for that perfect time when everything is in balance, we're going to be waiting a really long time. And I know at the beginning, we made the joke about the sliced bread and that being weird, you know, and, you know, off-putting. But think about all the things in your life now that you hold yourself to this higher expectation. And because you can't meet it, you just don't do anything. So we're going to cover um, a few things on this episode, sort of talking generally about the ways that we can sabotage ourselves with too much expectation. And then we're going to talk in the next episode about sort of some practical things to consider when you're actually putting a plan together. One of those things that I think prevents us from doing anything is external pressure or perceived societal pressure. For sure. We worry about what the neighbors would think or what society should say would say that I should do. And we need to ask ourselves, are we trying to keep up with an unrealistic or idealistic version of ourselves rather than like, you know, just doing what we actually can do? Right. I remember when uh, we became parents, the f like Donald was saying, we bought all these like recyclable materials for them to go to school with. And I would make these bento box breakfast oh, you yeah. know, lunches that were, you know, I'd see on Instagram of like the perfect way to, to have a meal for your child. And then she'd come home from school and half of it wouldn't be eaten, or she said it was embarrassing to have like, right. the perfect bento. So I'm trying to keep up with what I think internet moms are doing, when in reality, you know, just a, you know, a hunk of cheese would have been fine and, you know, some right. tomatoes. But for my perception, I needed this perfect meal to show everyone else that I was a great parent. And that was putting way too much pressure on myself. And I think in terms of our weight loss goals, we see people doing, you know, the mason jar salads and meal prep and all of these big ideals. And we think if I can't achieve that, then I can't lose weight. I don't have the right recipe. I don't have the right meal prep. I don't have the right, you know, plan. And really that's, a highly evolved part of the weight loss process. Right. When I started this, all I did was track calories. I was eating frozen food. I was, you know, eating packaged foods, but I didn't feel like I was doing it the right way because you see all these other people making everything from scratch. And that ideal kept me for decades from actually achieving my goals. Well, and spoiler alert, I still eat primarily frozen foods and pre-prepared meals. And I really have decided for myself that it is okay to go the easy route with this. Like I, I feel like doing what I'm doing, A, it's worked in terms of my health and my weight loss goals, but B, you know, it is okay for me to, you know, buy the pre-cut pineapple, the pre-cut you know, broccoli and cauliflower that I just have to put in the microwave for a little bit to rely on frozen meals and, and frozen veggie burgers and that sort of thing and, and not have to make all of these things from scratch that I thought were kind of essential um, to be, you know, not just to reach health and fitness goals, but to be a good person for yeah. some reason. Well, and I think, you know, that whole like hashtag adulting thing comes up a lot where we feel like, you know, 
a real adult would make it from scratch. A real adult would have a balanced meal. Right, that whole imposter syndrome. Well, and I think too, you know, just my my perception of what a good mother would do or what a good family, you know, meal looks like. Yeah, you you might have it like stuck in your head, like a good mother would make blank for her family. Like if I was a good mother, I would be making this. And so therefore, if I, you know, if I serve an Uncrustable for for lunch, I'm a bad mom. Right. Or, you know, that's not how you're going to lose weight. And I've heard that before of you'll never lose weight eating pancakes, you know, Bisquick mix, you'll never lose weight, you know, doing it this way. So I know growing up for me, when I lived with my grandparents, my grandmother would start making dinner when I got home from school. Oh, yeah. It was like 2.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. And she's, you know, shucking corn and whatever. And I'm like, why is she even doing that? But dinner was on the table at five o'clock. Like, you know. Yeah. And I thought that that's what a good wife did. I mean, she was a homemaker and that's what she did. But I remember when I, um, when Donald and I, uh, got married. I remember he got home from work one night kind of late and I had spent the entire afternoon making dinner and it was this big complicated meal. Yeah. And Donald got home. He didn't know I was making a big meal. No. It was I was so frustrated by the time he got home and I was like, here, I made you this amazing dinner. He's like, oh, thanks, honey. But but I'm like mad about it because I'm like, okay, now I understand why my grandmother started cooking at 2.30 because it takes a really long time to make the from scratch perfect meal. Yeah, for sure. I was trying to live up to this ideal homemaker situation and it just made me angry because that wasn't the actual lifestyle we were living with nine to five jobs. Well, I think a lot of people equate their self worth with their cooking. You know, I got into a discussion recently with somebody at work about this and, you know, talking about how, you know, I was actually talking about this procrastination versus perfection thing. And, you know, she really believed that if she wasn't cooking meals like like real in air quotes meals, that she wasn't doing a good job for her family. Of course, this is person is around my age and also has never had a weight problem. So it's yeah. a very different uh very different outlook on things, but it really can be ingrained in you that like you you think that you're either, you know, if you're cooking, you're a good person and if you're not, you're a bad person. It's hard to get over. Well, and for our daughter she doesn't really like fancy food or too many flavors at once. <laughs> and yeah. I think that I need variety and I need, you know, a, a good parent introduces kids to different meal types and stuff. She doesn't care. Seriously, it's like, it's like, oh, there's too much flavor in this. <laughs> Seriously, I made spaghetti the other day and I put some uh, garlic salt on it and some bay leaf in the water to, and she's like, eh, this is, this is gone has, bad. This has taste in it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm against it. And here I am trying trying to elevate uh, her flavor palette. It's yeah. nothing to do with it. I'm like, why am I trying this hard? I'm just sabotaging myself. Yeah, and and you know, I think that brings us to our next point, which is that this can have impact on your relationships. Like it might be your lo- love language. You might be trying to show love to your family by putting all of it into the food that you're cooking, and it might be hard to adjust that for your health and fitness needs. Well, and to, you know, I I think that that whole idea of you know, I, I know people who say like, oh, I love baking. Like baking is the way that I show love or making big meals is the way I show love. And with people with disordered eating, 
maybe the baking isn't a really great way to show love. And I know that there are people out there who love baking. It's a way to unwind. It's a way to relax. It's a way to really like embrace the moment. But for someone like me who eats all, you know, or half of the cookie dough before the cookies get on the tray, it is not a really helpful way for me to show love. Because am I showing love or am I using it as an excuse to overindulge myself? Yeah. I can't help it. This is what people expect of me. They love my crawlers. That whole thing of making, you know, a couple of dozen cookies that that you know that that the whole family is not going to eat, so you get to eat like half of them yourself. Exactly. So it's that whole like, well, I consider myself a foodie. Yeah, I'm a gourmand. Yeah, exactly. And can you be a gourmand? and a fit person at the same time. When I was, you know, 100 pounds heavier than I am right now, trying to make home-cooked, simmered, beautiful meals and being the person who made the, you know, the homemade food at the bake sale, right? that was just an excuse for me to eat more. And sure, I love delicious food, but as someone with disordered eating, that is not a good indulgence for me to focus on. Yeah, for sure. And so maybe ask yourself, how can you rechannel your love of cooking to align with your health and fitness goals? You know, maybe there's a way to adjust your recipes, or maybe there's a way to come up with new recipes or make it a challenge for yourself to to really make things that are calorie friendly or whatever diet friendly that you're doing, uh, rather than continuing to try and show love with all of these high calorie indulgent foods. Right. And we talked about on a couple of the holiday episodes about rechanneling, like, well, it's my tradition to make this on, you know, Sundays is pancake day, or we always make cookies. You can make healthful treats that don't, or, you know, do crafts instead of being the person who identifies as making 20 different varieties of cookies for family. You can switch up those habits. You can turn toward, and, you know, I did this too. I used to make the nine or 20 layer dip, or I don't know how many layers there were. So many layers. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I used to make a layer dip for parties. Remember parties when people saw each other? That was was fun. Vaguely, (laughs) vaguely. But then I turned to being someone who would make really interesting salads or fruit salads or something. And like, you're like, oh, boring, blah, blah, blah. But it was much more in line with my my values as someone who was focusing on their fitness. And it was still the process was still the same. And the, you know, making it really pretty and interesting, that still happened. But the caloric impact wasn't the same. Another thing that can hold people back or that maybe you just need to reimagine is that is what you're making and eating in alignment with your values. And a lot of people have problems with, you know, is it vegetarian, organic, vegan, locally sourced? Is it from companies that share your political and social views? You know, and even are you afraid of single serving things because of environmentalism? And you know, this is a hard issue. Yeah. I imagine that I'm going to make some people angry at me right now, but I used to be really hardcore environmentally conscious, and I still consider my some, myself somebody who thinks about it, but I had to, at a certain point, understand that my personal health and fitness goals and my ability to to be a healthy, active person had to take the driver's seat in this. And I still think about all of those things. But my first goal has to be to whether I'm going to be able to 
keep myself in my calorie goal for the day and keep up with my fitness. And if I can't do that, then I have to have the environmentalism take a backseat to it. And, you know, I've been vegetarian for uh, over 30 years now, and so that is still part of my my life and my choices. But I think that we, we've taken a lot of grief for suggesting, like, single-serving yeah. mayonnaise things and single-serving, you know, treats and things like that and small bags of chips instead of big ones. But I know if I buy the big family-sized bag of chips – that's one serving to me. <laughs> like yeah. I can sit down and eat that whole thing. But if I buy a single serving item, then I'm much more likely to be able to control myself. And I know that's just sort of a psychological trick, but it really is the way that I work. And I imagine a lot of people out there work too. Well, and I think too, as part of that as being vegetarian or you know having specific ideals, we can say like, well, I don't have time to lose weight or I can't fit this in because I'm vegetarian or because I'm vegan or because, you know, I need everything locally sourced. I've got to prioritize that. And Donald prioritizes like frozen Boca burgers. The cost is high. Yeah. But if we don't have like, oh, well, if I can't make my own mung, mung bean patties and whatever, then I can't, you know, lose weight or right. if I can't make my own homemade tofu, whatever. Like Donald has found a way to make it work for him in a caloric way that you know, fits his time that he has and his environmental needs. Yeah. And even with the Boca burgers, there are times where I, I can do them in the air fryer and they're like super tasty, or I can do them in the toaster oven and they're still really good. Or if I'm really in a pinch, it's two minutes in the microwave and it's still the same amount of low calorie, high protein food. And it's still, I still manage to fit it in depending on, you know, what sort of time that I have. Yeah. And I, you know, I think with that, it's important to just know, you know, and this sort of ties into everything is like, what season are you in and how much time do you have to get something done? And sure, in an ideal world, we would be able to meal prep and we would do all of these things, you know, organically and perfectly jarred salads and whatever. But if all you have time for is a microwaved whatever, you can still get the job done. And the way this factors in is I have heard people say like, oh, well, I'm a really picky eater or, oh, I'm really, you know, I can't do single serving or I can't do whatever. Figuring out a way to make something work for you actually does matter. If we fall victim to the like, well, I'm this way, so change my mind. I will only do this to change my mind. If you're looking for a fight, you're going to find one. But the real, you know, growth mindset version of ourselves is how can I make my current lifestyle and my current, you know, need work for me. And it turns out it works when you actually make it work. And we don't have to, you know, get married to these choices either, because choices that work for you at one time of your life may not work for another time. You know, Catherine just mentioned the season of your life, like there are literally, you know, the four seasons. And then there are the figurative seasons of your life. You know, you might be uh, when your kids are in school or when you might be in school uh, might be a particular season or when you're at work, your work might ebb and flow in terms of, you know, how busy you are. There might be times when when you have a lot of free time to do things and then times when you don't. And it's sort of adjusting for those seasons and figuring out, well, just because you've become super busy and you can't do the ideal thing, you can't live up to the ideal thing that you were doing when you weren't super busy, doesn't mean you should just do nothing. And in fact, 
you know, it definitely doesn't mean that. You know, you should do the best that you can because a lot of times good needs to be good enough. And rather than, you know, just giving up on everything because of lack of perfection is really the worst thing you can do. And we've talked, too, about the toxic nostalgia that we can have about the good old days. Oh, yeah. Like, when Donald was vegan back before we were married, he would make black bean soup, and he would make homemade rolls, and he would make homemade tofu burgers, and all of these different things. Our life was much simpler back then. I had no idea how much free time I had when I was in my early 20s. (laughs) But, you know, we can can say, and even when a plan works, like doing Atkins or something like that, of like, oh, well, it was so easy back then okay well you lived at home with your parents and you had you know disposable income and yeah. you worked half you know part-time while you were going to college all these different things and we can go like well if i can't do that then i'm not going to do anything there are times when we you know like i did atkins and it life was so much simpler back then yeah, and we yeah. had so many fewer things to do but we can get caught in this well when things slow down then i'll be able to focus on my health goals or if only i can make this from scratch then i can do the thing and we get so focused on the external perfection that we forget that there's that spectrum or that sort of evolution which we'll you know we'll talk about more in the next episode of what constitutes a good day what constitutes something that fits into your calorie target does an, you know does a carrot count as having a salad for the day right. or do you need to go to the farmers market in order to make it the perfect thing? Do you need to mill your own wheat uh, in order to have the perfect nutritional balance? I like how you pronounce wheat. Thank you. Um, Or, you know, can you just get the single serving roll at, you know, Wawa, which they have the most delicious Portuguese rolls. One roll, that's all you need. It's fine. Please don't sexy talk about food on our (laughs) weight loss podcast. I won't. But it's that, you know, Donald didn't have diabetes uh, 20 years ago. Yeah. And it turns out now that, you know, he is managing that, that the ideals and the, you know, the certain foods that we eat are different than we did before. And it all matters when you're factoring in that season of life that you're in and how much time you have to get something done. Frozen is fine. It doesn't have to be the perfect food at the perfect time. Yeah. And I have to really, you know, I, I touched on this earlier. I have to really make sure that what I'm eating is in line with with my health goals because my diabetes is under control right now, but it could come raging back at any time if I'm not careful. And I really have to make that a priority. Yeah. And, you know, and as we sort of close up this episode, if we think about the season of life that we're in and we put ourselves as the victim of, well, I'm on my own. I'm single. I don't have time. You know, why bother cooking for myself? I've got a family and they expect home-cooked perfect meals with lots of sauces and gravies. Oh, I don't cook for myself. Someone else cooks for me. How am I supposed to control it when someone else is cooking? I go out to eat all the time. How can I make this work for myself? I see this sort of position of someone, you know, virtually crossing their arms saying like change my mind change my mind how can i make this work one of the most frustrating phrases in the weight loss and fitness world and it's this you know either it's going to be this perfect harmony where everything fits into my plan or it's going to be nothing and being in a position where we know that we can actually make it work despite our challenges despite our limitations and 
going from that fixed mindset to a growth mindset of actually like enjoying the challenge of, okay, how can I make this work? How can I make this fit into my plan? It really does matter. And when we let go of those external expectations of what we think society thinks we should do, a good parent would do this, a good, you know, a gr- by this age, I should be able to X, Y, or Z. When we let go of those, you know, perceived societal white after Labor Day things, right the better our lives get. And I still now am coming to the point where I'm coming up with ways where I can like troubleshoot my own ideals about, you know, what a good parent does, what a good weight loss podcast host does. And the more I evolve that way, the easier the plan gets and the more malleable I am when you know, struggle comes or, you know, when unexpected, you know, X factors ruin my plan. Right. And I, we challenge you to be more flexible with your ideal self. Sure. It would be amazing if all things aligned to make it so that we could meal prep perfectly and that all portions were perfect and that our family all agreed exactly what was the right thing to eat. But when we step back and realize that we have to be agents for our own health and that there's never going to be this perfect alignment of time and money and natural resources, we have to advocate for ourselves. We have the opportunity to advocate for ourselves. Um, in the next episode, we're going to go sort of more into detail about the day-to-day practical ways to apply this. I know this has been a, a brain-bending episode for yes. dragons and presidents. Oh, my goodness, <laughs> um, yes. But, uh, you know, really thinking about the ways that we can advocate for our health goals, getting away from that ideal, getting away from perfection as procrastination, because that's where all of this leads us. When we think about, I would be able to do this if the circumstance changed, a perfect plan would be this. When we let go of perfection, we can actually make progress, which is what Donald and I have done over the last five years. And if we can do it, we know you can too. Yes, and Indeed. I mean, seriously, like if we can do it, anyone can. There was nobody more lost than uh, Catherine and I. Thank you so much for listening. Um, You may not be able to be your ideal self in every way, but certainly your ideal self would be listening to this podcast. So we really appreciate that. Uh, You have found perfection for at least this amount of time. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much. If you would like to listen to all of our episodes, they are still available wherever you found this one or all the time at our website, weonlylookthin.com. And if you are at weonlylookthin.com, you can click on join our support group and find out more about Wolt Place, We Only Look Thin Place. It is an online Facebook-based accountability group for women. It is not a weight loss plan, but it is a place for support, encouragement, and an opportunity to uh, work on that growth mindset. Uh, Yes, indeed. It's a wonderful group. We do two to three Zoom meetings a week uh, to troubleshoot issues. Um, super proud of it. So you can find out more about that there. We have two subscription options, a monthly option with a three-day complimentary trial and a three-month subscription with a seven-day complimentary trial to see if Wolt Place is right for you. 
please check it out. We think that you will enjoy it. Um, and if you would like to reach us in other ways, you can always email us to weonlylookthin at gmail.com. Uh, we uh, love to hear episode suggestions. We love to answer questions from there. And we appreciate hearing from you. Also, you can connect with us on the socials at We Only Look Thin on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you would like your fingers to do the walking, you can also head over to Apple Podcast and lead us <laughs> and leave us a reading. We've got an ad in the yellow pages. If you'd like to let your fingers do the walking, AAA we, Weight Loss Podcast. <laughs> we decided that the yellow pages were still a viable advertising method. We sure did. Uh, but head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a rating and review. Uh, it makes us feel good and it also helps other people find our podcast when they are looking for nutrition and health podcasts and uh, it helps get the word out and it makes us feel good too yes indeed or you could just tell somebody about our show um, if you got something out of this and uh, you think somebody else in your life would enjoy it or get some use out of it we would appreciate you spreading the word we sure would so if you think we lost all credibility when we talked about dragons reigning terror over <laughs> Calvin Coolidge, <laughs> just remember that Donald and I are an, an inspiration. inspiration. The information that you hear on this podcast is for informational purposes only. The hosts are not medical professionals. You should always consult with your doctor, nurse, or other certified health professional before beginning any diet or fitness program. <laughs>